Good morning. This morning we're going to talk about hearing God's voice. And this is, uh, in large measure, it's something that I shared at the men's retreat a couple of months ago. But I had three different guys afterwards tell me our whole congregation really needs to hear this. And I got the idea that maybe I needed to share it on Sunday morning. So, uh, so I did that. But just a couple of days ago, I googled those three words, hearing God's voice. Um, I didn't read any of these articles, but I came up with a number of articles that I thought were interesting. Three keys to knowing God is speaking to you. Four ways to know if you're hearing his, God's voice. Five ways God speaks to us. Six ways God speaks to us. Eight ways God speaks to us today. And then the real overachiever, 12 ways God speaks to us. I think there's a lot more than that, actually, but uh, I'm going to try to give you a a biblical and balanced approach to understanding this idea this morning. So let's pray. Lord, we ask that even right now that you, in your mercy, would speak to us. God, we desire to hear your voice, and we know that you have given us keys uh, to, to unlock that. And so we're asking that you would, would clearly and plainly make your voice known here this morning, and we trust you to do that because you're faithful. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know that in our nation's military that there are um, some small elite forces that are able to do things that are kind of above and beyond. I'm talking about the Army Rangers, the Navy SEALs. Those guys are, are highly trained, very skilled, uh, lots of courage, lots of abilities. Um, and they're able to do things because of all of that. They're able to do things that are above and beyond the normal, the normal person, even the normal uh, average military person. The reason I'm telling you all that is because my experience has been that there are a lot of Christians who think that God reserves the right to hear his voice just for a chosen few, a select group, people that have certain abilities or skills or talents or whatever above and beyond the natural, and that is just not true. John 10, 27, very clearly, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. That's clearly supposed to be something that's the normal. Earlier in that same chapter, uh, Jesus is talking about the shepherd. He says the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought them out, all his, brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. As Christ followers, we are clearly supposed to be hearing his voice. It's part of our inheritance, if you will. One of my all-time favorite Bible promises is from Psalm 32.8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. It, it, if we're not hearing him in some way, how is he going to instruct us and teach us in the way that we're supposed to go? Clearly, we're supposed to be hearing him. Romans 8.14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. One of the marks of a child of God is that we're being led by him. If we're going to be led by him, I think it's not a stretch to say that we're going to be hearing what he's saying to us, all right? Now, before I go too far in this, I want to do something that I've shared numerous times. I'm guessing that most of you could probably do this at this point because I've said it so many times as well as I can. But I want to talk about the difference between the objective word of God, the objective hearing of his voice, and the subjective. The objective, you all know, is the Bible, okay? The subjective is those things that we sense that, you know, maybe a dream, a vision, whatever. And those are 
subject, hence the term subject is subject, to the objective. Everybody with me on that, okay? So the Bible gives us a foundation for our understanding of how God speaks to us and what he's saying to us in, in everyday life. And those, those other things, the subjective, are never going to override that. Years ago, Pastor Nick talked about a, uh, a, a woman in his previous congregation back in Ohio who came to him and said that she believed that God told her that she was supposed to divorce her husband because he wasn't spiritual enough. Well, Nick tried to explain to her that if anybody told her that, it was the enemy of her soul, not God. Well, she didn't buy that, and she ended up divorcing her husband. See, God's personal word to you will never override the Bible. It's not going to happen. So there's certain things we don't need to wonder about. I don't need to wonder if I'm supposed to divorce my wife. I don't need to wonder if I should steal that bicycle out there that's unlocked. I don't need to wonder if I should covet my neighbor's stuff. Those are all clearly lined out in Scripture very plainly. And I would add something else, that if God has said something in His written word, a command or a directive to His people in general, we don't need some kind of revelation about whether or not that's true for us. You know, I, I, I first heard that idea many years ago. It was not long after I was ordained here and I was invited to join with the eldership at the time. And there was someone in the congregation who was being extremely divisive. And so that person was invited to, uh, to, to come before the elders and showed uh, from various witnesses what was going on and then showed scripture after scripture after scripture that these things were wrong. And that person's response was, well, unless God uh, shows me those things are really for me, I'm not going to believe it. I was absolutely dumbfounded. I mean, you know, as a, a fairly young Christian at the time, I'm like, we just showed you. It's pretty clear. It's pretty obvious. But th there, there was at that time some really bad teaching that unless God brings that witness into my own heart, that that's not for me. And I'm like, no. So the Bible is the foundation. This is, this is uh, one way, a very strong and clear way that God speaks to us, all right? But we can't just stop right there. There is more to the picture. Um, I always feel sorry for people who say that, that the Bible is the only way that God speaks to his people today. I'm like, you need to get to know my God because it's different. John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Part of Holy Spirit's job is to teach us, so we're going to be hearing him, also to bring back to our remembrance the things that, that he's already said. You know, I think, a, I think a primary key for us in understanding this is that we need to get the fact that God wants to speak to us. It's part of his desire. John, Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. I, I read that and I get the impression like this is, a, this is a challenge from God. Test me out on this. See if this actually works. Call to me. I'm going to answer you. That's what he's saying there. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. I, I love the fact that he's going to give us very specific instructions of which way we're supposed to go. This reminds me of, remember Paul and company traveling in the book of Acts, chapter 16. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had 
come to Mysia. They attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. You know, I don't know, is that that same passage that we just read where there's this voice behind saying, no, no, don't go that way, go, go this way. Maybe there's a big stop sign out there. I don't know, but somehow God is clearly communicating, this is what I want you to do, this is what I don't want you to do. He's speaking to them, and that should be, for us, that should be part of our lives. Think about this. Before Jesus ascended, he said he was going to send the Holy Spirit, and and that it was going to be better for his disciples that he go away. But why? Well, how about John 16, 13? When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. I, I think that's at least an indicator that Jesus gave us truth, but he didn't give us all the truth. There's more to come. It's going to guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. We, you, you can't read these passages and think that God doesn't speak to his people. I mean, it's just so, so clear. Speaking to us, guiding us is part of Holy Spirit's job. Now, I will say that when, when God speaks, um, it is generally, at least from my experience, and, and I, I think in part from um, reading scripture, that it's not an audible voice. It's not an out loud kind of thing. I I know very few people who have heard an out loud audible voice. I know a lot of people who have heard God speak. I know very few who have heard an actual out loud voice. And there's a lot of times in the Bible where, um, where God speaks very specifically, very directly to somebody, but it doesn't always tell us that it's an, an audible voice. There are a few times it definitely was, okay? I, I, I'll admit that. John 12, 27 and following. Jesus talking, now my, is my soul troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it, it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. So something audible, something out loud happened there. Everybody didn't know what it was, but, but something, there, there was something that spoke there clearly. Or, or think, of, think of Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. He hears this voice and other people there heard the voice. They didn't know what it said. So there's something out loud that was going on. So that can happen, but it doesn't always. I've heard God speak to me many, many times over the years. I've never once heard an audible voice. One, one, one example, years ago, I'm praying and I heard the, the words, you're going to be going and talk about my, my ministry, traveling ministry, you're going to be going to more and more traditional churches. And that was just like crazy insane to me at the time. I mean, I'm actually arguing with God going, God, that's not going to work. Have you really thought this through? I mean, one, at, the, at, the, at the men's retreat, we watched some videos by a guy named Jamie Winship. And one of the things that really struck me um, that he said there, and I, this isn't verbatim, but basically said, if you're asking God to, to lead you, to speak to you about something in your life, if you hear something crazy, something outlandish, something there's no way that you could possibly do um, to, to make it happen, and, and something you've never heard before, that's probably God. Now, I can't give you chapter and verse on that, but my experience says that that might often be true. I've run into that a lot. And there are a lot of different ways that that God speaks to us. I want to to contrast some different things in Scripture just to give you an idea of the the variety that God can use. So think of Zechariah in the New Testament, uh, father of John the Baptist. Before John is is, um, born, before John is conceived, 
Zechariah is there in the temple. He's in the Holy of Holies, and he has this conversation. And it's like 10 verses long. So they're you know, kind of talking back and forth. Oh, wait, co- contrast that with Isaiah in the Old Testament, um, Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? 10 words. So God talked a lot to Zechariah. Apparently, Isaiah didn't need quite as much information. Are you with me? So it's not always the same. Think of, think of God speaking to Peter on the rooftop about going to the home of Cornelius. Had this vision, right? It's like five verses that describes that vision. So it's a pretty, pretty lengthy vision. But contrast that with the vision that John had on the island of Patmos. What we think of as the book of Revelation, this huge, gigantic vision, way different than what Peter saw there on the rooftop, right? God doesn't always speak in the same way. There is no, there's no, I I would say, cookie-cutter way that God speaks to us. He's going to speak to everyone uniquely and differently. Think about, think about, um, I mentioned before, Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. And here's this, this zealous kind of overbearing, self-righteous guy, right? And God humbles him publicly right there, speaks very directly to him. Hey, you need to, you need to change this. And then contrast that with the way that God spoke to Samuel the very first time in the Old Testament. That innocent, maybe naive, young boy, he didn't speak to him strongly. It was kind of a gentle voice. God speaks to every one of us differently, uniquely, depending on the situation. There's not a a certain way it has to be. So so think about this. The, the, The story of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. You guys all know this section. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So think about this. A few weeks ago when Scott Goodwill was here, um, when he was talking to the the leadership um, aspects of of, um, church on Saturday, one of the, he used a couple of words that I haven't used in a long time, but it made me remember and think in this context are pretty appropriate. He talked about passages that are descriptive and passages that are prescriptive. So a descriptive passage simply describes what happened. A prescriptive means that it's, it's prescribing the way things are supposed to be. Okay, so very different. So, so think of it like this. Um, the, uh, the section in, in the book of Acts where the Apostle Paul and John Mark separate. It sounds pretty harsh, like not very friendly terms at that point as they're separating. That's a descriptive passage. It's not saying that's the way it's supposed to be. It's simply describing what happened. Everybody with me? Okay, so, so go back to this passage that we just read here in 1 Kings, right? Um, uh, where... God spoke in that, the the King James says, still small voice, that whisper. Okay, so if we think of that as a a prescriptive passage, then the next time God speaks to you, and you, it it sounds to you like an earthquake, hello, you're going to dismiss it because you don't think that's really the voice of God. But God doesn't have to always speak the same way. Are you with me? 
He's going to speak differently depending on the situation and the person and all of that. And, and see, it's really, really important for us to get this because as human beings, we like formulas. We want things to be done a certain way. We want to be able to figure it out. We want to put God in a box and say, this is the way it's supposed to work. God doesn't like our boxes. He just doesn't. And so we need to be paying attention because it might not sound like what somebody else heard or what... Uh, you've heard in the past. I think of it as the difference between the, um, the, the various writers of Scripture. You know, you read the writings of the Apostle Paul, it sounds like a scholarly, learned guy. You read the writings of Peter, he sounds like a fisherman. Sorry. But that's how God spoke in and through them, using even their personality. God doesn't have to speak to each of us um, the, exactly the same way. He's going to speak to us uniquely, differently, and it's okay. And we need to get a hold of that. Um, I said earlier that, that it's not a, always an audible voice. I think maybe the word impression, which I don't really see in the Bible as, as a way, as something, but, but I do see it in, in experience and probably even the idea. I don't see that word in Scripture. I do see the idea um, that God gives us an impression of something that, that's, that's going to happen. You guys might know the name Andrew Womack. Uh, he is an itinerant teacher, preacher in the body of Christ, written numbers of books. I, I read a story a while back that really kind of struck me. He said that he had ministered several times in Costa Rica, was planning another trip to, to Costa Rica, and had everything all lined out. He had his itinerary, he had his, his tickets booked, he had the, the venues all set, everything. And I don't remember if it was like the, the day of or the day before he was supposed to leave. He just had this really strong impression that he wasn't supposed to go. And he's arguing with God, like, well, you know, we already spent all this money, we got everything lined up. But he said, I know that voice well enough, I didn't go. Well, he was supposed to fly from where he lives to Mexico City, from Mexico City on to Costa Rica. We found out later that the, the plane that was supposed to take him from Mexico City to Costa Rica crashed on takeoff, and everybody on board died. But he didn't go, he wasn't on that plane, because he felt like God didn't want him to. So God can speak through impressions. He also speaks through, obviously, things in Scripture, dreams, visions. Uh, Daryl often talks about, I have this picture in my mind um, of, of something. I've had that happen a few times. So just some practical ways that God can speak to us. But again, we need to understand that just because you experience something doesn't mean that everybody else is going to experience it the same way and doesn't mean that you're going to have to experience it the way somebody, somebody else has. You know, honestly, as I was prepping for this message, I had the impression that there's somebody here that because you don't get those pictures like Daryl often does, you think God's not speaking to you. No! Has nothing to do with it. God speaks to us each differently, personally, uniquely. Here, let me give you a, an illustration of God speaking, I think, rather uniquely. Years ago, when I became the primary worship leader of our congregation, the date was August 10th, 1984, and I remember that really, really well, and I'll explain that as I go along why I remember it. Dave Lorenz, Dan's dad, was the main worship leader, had been the main worship leader here for a number of years, and I, uh, I had kind of become his, his right-hand man. I helped him out a lot. If he wasn't able to be here on Sunday morning, I would lead worship for a service, that kind of thing. Um, but he was also the principal of the school. And I knew for a long time, just knowing Dave as well as I did, I knew if he ever had to make the choice between the music and the kids, that he'd go with the kids. It was just so much his heart, um, that, that was just him. 
And so he asked to get together with me one evening, just the two of us, and he said he was feeling stretched and he wanted to know what I was willing to take on. And I said, well, I'm willing to take the whole thing, but I don't want you to step down because of that. And he said, no, he had already talked to the rest of the leadership. Um, I was now the new worship leader. And in the moment, I'm excited. This is kind of a cool thing, right? Well, the next day, it just hits me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, what are you thinking? You don't have the, the ability to be able to do this. You are not Dave Lorenz. You don't have the, the musical ability. I mean, I could, I could lead worship for a service. I could maybe even lead a practice now and then, but to take over the ministry, that was just insane. Well, at the time, I was reading Oswald Chambers' My Utmost for His Highest. And the entry for August 11th, the day after Dave handed that over to me, was the story of Elijah being taken into heaven and leaving Elisha behind. Uh, Chambers often uses just a piece of the, the scripture, uh, 2 Kings 2.12, and he saw him no more. Let me read you the whole passage. And Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. And just for context, a couple more verses. Um, two verses down, chapter, uh, chapter 2 of 2 Kings, verse 14. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. Next verse. Now when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw him opposite them, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. It's where the, uh, they had the, the, the water, the, the spring that was putting out bad water, and Elisha healed it, I guess. Um, and then several verses down, and he went up from there to Bethel. So let me read you what I read that day on August 11th, 1984. And he saw him no more, 2 Kings 2.12. It is not wrong to depend on Elijah as long as God gives him to you, but remember the time will come when he will have to go, when he stands no more to you as your guide and leader because God does not intend he should. You say, I cannot go on without Elijah. God says, you must. Alone at your Jordan. Jordan is the type of separation where there is no fellowship with anyone else and where no one can take the responsibility for you. You have to put to the test now what you learned when you were with your Elijah. You have been to the Jordan over and over again with Elijah and now you are up against it alone. It is no use saying you cannot go. This experience has come and you must go. If you want to know whether God is the God you have faith to believe him to be, then go through your Jordan alone alone at your Jericho. Jericho is the place where you have seen your Elijah do great things. When you come to your Jericho, you have a strong disinclination to take the initiative and trust God. You want someone else to take it for you. But if you remain true to what you learned with Elijah, you will get the sign that God is with you. Alone at your Bethel. At your Bethel, you will find yourself at your wit's end and at the beginning of God's wisdom. When you get to your wit's end and feel inclined to succumb to panic, don't. Stand true to God and he will bring his truth out in a way that will make your life a sacrament. Put into practice what you learned with your Elijah. Use his cloak and pray. Determine to trust in God and do not look for Elijah anymore. God could not have spoken any more clearly, any more directly to me in that moment. That was 36 years ago. God didn't speak through a dream or a vision or a picture it was a book that had been written 50 years prior. God has a myriad of ways of speaking into our lives. 
And when God speaks, powerful things can happen. 1 Timothy chapter 1.18, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them, by those prophecies, by those things that God spoke into you, you may wage the good warfare. When you know that God has called you to do something, when you know he has put something inside of you for his glory, then you don't have trouble, at least as much trouble, um, walking in it. There's a confidence. This is what God said. I'm in that boat right now with, uh, with Jeffco Christians United. Most of you know, a year and a half ago, I felt like as the, the head of uh, Hillsborough Alliance of Christian Churches, that God spoke to me, your vision is too small. Uh, those were the only words that I heard, but there was a whole lot that was downloaded really quickly and I knew what I was supposed to do. Year and a half later, I'm not seeing uh, as much forward momentum as I, the visionary leader, would like to. But you know what? I know what God spoke. And because of that, I'm keeping going. Are you with me? It gives us more confidence when we know God has said, do this, whatever it might be. And I've had people tell me that, that oftentimes that um, a confirmation from somebody else can be really helpful, especially for somebody that's a, I don't know, more of a, a novice in hearing God's voice or not, just not quite sure uh, having somebody else. Now, now that's not always the, the, the fact. I, I know, like, in, think about the Old Testament. A lot of the prophets there, they just stood on their own. God spoke to them. There wasn't anybody else, okay? But especially for somebody that, that, that's more the, the, the novice or not accustomed to hearing God's voice, it can be really good to have somebody be able to confirm that. So practical here, Sunday morning, maybe you're sensing God saying something to you for the congregation. You're not sure. Ask somebody you trust. Ask one of the elders. Uh, maybe in your own personal life, maybe you believe that God's speaking to you about, I don't know, a career change, whatever. Uh, find somebody to pray with you about that. Uh, those kind of things can be really, really helpful for us. Um, I, I, I know also that, that, that some people talk about coincidences. I love God coincidences that just kind of happened, that helped, you know, confirm those kind of things. Uh, a writer that I came across named Ben Godwin, he wrote this. When I was praying about printing my first book, the estimated cost was $3,000 in the late 1980s. I was in a meeting when a woman I had never met before nor seen since, never met before nor seen since, gave me an envelope and said, God told me to give this to you. It contained a diamond ring, which appraised for, you guessed it, $3,000. You can call that a coincidence I call it providence, God confirming and providing for his will. God does those kind of things, those coincidences. Now, I have heard other people talk about, as you're listening for his voice, of tuning in or dialing in, if you will, to, to, to pay better attention. Um, th think about it this way. If you, were to, if you were to apply for a job and... The, the, the company told you that you would expect a, a phone call on Tuesday, one way or the other, either you, you, you didn't get the job or maybe they, you did or maybe they needed more information, whatever. On Tuesday, you're going to get a phone call. What are you going to do on Tuesday? You're going to go out shopping and leave your phone at home, right? No, of course not. No, you're going to be tuned in. You're going to be dialed in. You're going to be thinking about that. You're going to be ready to answer questions for them. You're, you're, you're focused on that, right? And that's that's kind of the idea that we need to do with God, especially when we're seeking direction. You know, there, there have been times over the years, Barb and I have been together and 
we're talking, all right, she's talking, and she says, are you listening to me? Now, that hasn't happened a lot, all right, but it, it does happen, and I know the right answer to that question. I am now, right? Focus in, I'm tuning in, I'm dialing in on what she's saying right here and right now. That's what we need to do with God, to pay attention. Um, you know, think back to the Andrew Womack story, the, the plane crash. My, my question in that story is, why didn't God show him earlier? Well, you know what? I think maybe perhaps he might have if Andrew had been paying attention. But I know for me, as somebody who has traveled a lot, the closer the event gets, the more I'm focused on that event. I'm praying specifically for that event. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do and how all of this is going to fit together. And maybe at that point, he's really dialed in and God's saying, okay, it's about time. Here, don't go. You with me? So we need to be, I, you know, I like the, 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 the passage, be still and know that I'm God. Just, we need to stop all of the stuff and just be still and know that he is God. Focus in on him. You know, obviously I did some, some research and prepping for this message and I came across one, one story, uh, a, a guy who talked about, he could always tell when God had spoken to him because when he did what he believed God wanted him to do, uh, that if good things happened, he knew it was from God. If nothing or nothing discernible happened, then clearly he didn't hear from God. And I would say, ah, because that's just, I mean, think, just think of one idea here. How about Moses clearly hearing from God and declaring that word to Pharaoh? Not good things happen, at least especially not immediately, right? So, so, there's, so there's two things that we need to understand in this. One is that human will is going to play a part in this. So God may speak, and it may be very clearly him, but he is generally not going to override our will or somebody else's will. Take Pharaoh, for example. The other thing that we need to understand is God's timing, which, I don't know, maybe this is just my experience, but hardly ever seems to be my timing. I want it yesterday. God says, no, not even tomorrow, not even the next day, sometime down the road. You with me? Some of you are going to, laugh at me for this. I was recently rereading my book, The Great Soviet Awakening. It's a really good story. Um, but in that book, if, for those of you that have read it, you might remember uh, Pastor Oscar Olvik. He's the guy that started the choir meetings that turned into eventually this huge revival that happened um, where thousands and thousands of people came into the kingdom. Hundreds of churches were started all, all over the world. Um, but those choir meetings began in 1969. The, the, the beginning of the revival really didn't happen until 1977, eight years later. But 1977 was also the year that Oscar Ulvik went on to glory. See, so, so this side of eternity, he never got to see what happened as a result of that impression that he got in starting those meetings eight years prior. Are you following me? We, we don't always get to see what's going to happen. But if we believe it's God, we move anyway. Now, I will also add that none of us here and now yet hears God's voice perfectly. 
1 Corinthians 13, 9, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. That's just reality. I don't like that. None of us is perfect. We're not always going to get it right. And this is especially important um, if you're going to give someone a word or you're going to receive a word from somebody else for your own life. Um, Keep in mind that no matter who you are, no matter who's speaking to you, they're not going to hit it right every time. They're not going to be perfect. So it falls, if, if, you're, if, if somebody is giving you a word, it falls to you to, to, to really pray into, to weigh, God, is this you speaking to me? Because ultimately you're the one that's going to be responsible for it. I, I've heard uh, Ryan Sutton say that he's very cautious when somebody comes to him and says, hey, brother, I got a word for you. Ryan says, you can tell me what you think God said to you, but ultimately it's up to me whether or not I receive that. And I think that's a good point. We just need to be cautious. And I'm not saying to dismiss those things, but I am saying be, be careful because you're the one that's going to be responsible. You know, there are times for me, probably for you, that, that you might wonder, is this God? Is this the enemy? What, what's going on here? I can tell you with absolute certainty that the enemy is never going to ask you to pray for someone. The enemy is never going to ask you to share the gospel. The enemy is never going to ask you to share your testimony. Anything that has the possibility of advancing the kingdom of God, that is never going to happen. So if you get the impression that maybe that one of those things is something you're supposed to do, I think maybe you should pay attention. You following me? So um, what about this? Sometimes when we're praying for, I think especially big life guidance, God, you know, what should I do in this area of my life or whatever it might be? Um, the answer doesn't come immediately. Now, if you're taking a, a week-long prayer retreat, you might have plenty of time to sit there and listen and do absolutely nothing else, okay? But most of us in our everyday lives, we have responsibilities. We have jobs, we have family, you know, whatever, and, and, and so we can't just jettison all of those things. So my recommendation based on, on the experience that I've had is, is to um, just go about your life, but dial in, tune in, pay, pay attention. Because God has a way of, of, of aligning situations and circumstances that makes things become pretty obvious as you're going along. Uh, he, you know, clearly he can do that and he wants to. What we can't do is ask God to guide us in those big pivotal moments and ignore him the rest of the time. This is really about relationship, about listening to his voice on a regular basis, not just in those moments that we absolutely have to hear it. And I would also add in that context that if you really want to hear God's voice, then you need to be confident in your relationship with him. See, we have a natural tendency, I think, to, to see ourselves wrongly. You're a pathetic loser. But how, how do you think God's going to speak to you after what you did yesterday? I mean, that, that's how we think. And yet if we understand our relationship with him, if we, if we understand what Christ has done for us, if we understand who we are in him and our identity in him, then that changes how we're going to hear his voice because we're going to be listening and understanding, this is my father who loves me 
He sent his own son to die to bring me into right relationship with him. See, if we get that, it changes how we hear his voice. It's going to make a big difference. A couple more things. Peace. I think there should be, based on scripture, a clear peace aspect to the guidance, the hearing of God's voice. Um, Colossians 3.15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I like the way the, the complete Jewish Bible says that. Let the shalom, which comes from the Messiah, be your heart's decision maker. What a great statement. If you're, if you're unsettled, if there's a, a lack of peace, then you need to be really cautious about going forward. I, I remember um, several years ago, one of the, the members of the, the board of directors of Training Resources, our ministry organization, was pushing us to, 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 to make a big financial step. And honestly, it made sense. I really even liked the idea, but I didn't have any peace about it. And I didn't have anything you know, specific to say, here's why, I just didn't have any peace about it. And so we didn't do it. And it was probably a year and a half later that we recognized it would have been a pretty bad decision. Um, if in the midst of those things, there isn't a peace. Now, I'm not saying there's not going to be some upheaval and some craziness going on. That's, that's just life. That's just part of the kingdom, honestly. But I'm saying that there's a peace. You understand what I'm talking about. An inner peace that says, yeah, this is, this is right. Or no, 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 maybe not. This isn't right. You with me? Okay. Um, something that I, I didn't say at the, um, at the men's retreat and something that, that struck me afterwards is that God speaks to us. One of the ways God, God speaks to us is through our conscience. Uh, Romans 2 says that our conscience convicts or accuses us. That's one way that God speaks into our lives. Paul talks uh, to Timothy about having a, a good conscience. Peter and the writer of Hebrews both talk about having a good conscience. You know, as, as we read the Bible and study, uh, we, are, we are changed, we are shaped, we are formed by him, by his word, and that affects how we think long-term, and that's going to affect our conscience. So we're more aware of wrong in our lives or wrong around us because of that. Um, and, and so I would recommend that you do that more and more. It's not, it's not bad to... Uh, what about this situation? And study it out in scripture. Okay, I get that. It's also not bad to ask somebody else who has more Bible knowledge. That's, that's not a wrong thing. But I think better is that long-term, we are on our own studying and learning and growing so that our conscience can be developed so that when we get into those situations, we don't have to check it out. God's bringing conviction right here, right now. I need to repent and, and do away with this. You following me? So I, I, it's just a, I, I like um, our first president, George Washington. He said this, labor to keep alive within your breast that little spark of celestial fire called conscience. Yeah. And that's going to happen as we, we, as we read and study God's word. All right, and then one final caution. Thought I'd never get done, right? Um, it's, easy for, it's easy for a person to misuse this idea of God speaking to us personally as an excuse to, to, to do what you want to do. Uh, another way of saying that is that we want God to tell us what we want to hear. Sometimes I think we have a tendency to, to battle against God. Like, and we act like we're deaf, like we can't hear him. But 
in reality, we just don't like what he's saying. Ooh, it's getting really quiet now, guys. We need to have a, a heart that's tender toward him that regardless of whether we like it or not, we're willing to move and act on the things that he says. Honestly, there have been times I didn't like some of the stuff that God was saying to me. I'm sure no, nobody here can relate to that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure most of us can. And yet, if I keep my heart tender before him, I'm still willing to move on those things regardless of whether I like it, if you will, in the natural or not. You following me? Okay. All right, so where does, where does all this leave us? Well, I would hope that it would cause us to, to more and more want to dial in, to, to, to really pay attention when God is speaking. Lord, what are you saying to me in this situation? Ask him, seek him. He's promised that he's going to, to if we'll, we'll call to him, he'll answer, he'll respond. So seek him. We're going to, um, in, in January, we're going to have a special service that a uh, very abbreviated sermon, probably just a, an encouragement, maybe a couple of ground rules, but we're just going to encourage people beforehand, pray and seek the Lord. What's God saying to you for us as a congregation or for other individuals? And then come together and bring those things together. That's a pretty scriptural idea. So we're going we're gonna to do that. But I, this is kind of getting us ready for that idea. But even right here, right now, we have, uh, we have plenty of time left here. Um, we're just going to take some time and worship. But in the midst of this, if God is speaking something into your heart for someone else here, for the congregation, I want you to be willing to, to step forth and, and, and share that with us, with that person, whoever it might be. Um, it doesn't have to be what you've seen somebody else do. God's going to speak in and through you uniquely and individually. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful that you are indeed a God who speaks to us, to your people that you don't, you don't just remain afar off. You, the, the God of all creation, the one who made everything, could be just out there someplace and having no interaction, and yet you have chosen to, to, to interact with us, to have a relationship with us, to speak into our lives. God, what a, what a privilege that is. Lord, may we never, ever take that for granted. But God, we ask that, that now that we have heard this, we ask that you take these truths and plant them inside of us that we might more fully expect to hear your voice and that we might be more willing to, to move on those things that you are saying to us. Lord, we trust you. We, 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 uh, I, I said as we prayed before the service this morning, we, we don't trust ourselves. We don't trust our own ideas, but we trust you. And so we're inviting you, Holy Spirit, have your way in our hearts in our minds, in our lives. Amen. That's very, very important for me. Um, what you've said today, Tom. Um, my brother uh, um, had a son that was uh, almost 15 years old. And this was back in a long time ago, 
1980 to be in fact. And his son was said, Dad, can I go to town uh, with these other people? And, uh, and my, my brother said, uh, yeah, yeah, you can go, you can go. But inside he was saying, no, 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 don't let him go, don't, 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 don't. But he did it anyway, let him go. Okay, he was sitting in the back of the pickup and there was an accident and I don't know what happened, but he fell out and he died a couple, three days later. And my, of course my brother said, oh, if only I would have, if only, if only, if only I would have not let him go. So, now, um, 25 years ago, next month, I was driving from uh, here to my work in, in, in for Hilbian, and it happened to be a January morning, and uh, it had snowed about a week before, and uh, uh, there was a little bit of ice on the sides of the road and so forth. And so I was driving up, going to turn on uh, uh, Tower Road up there and go to work, and as I it was foggy that morning, and so I pulled over on the shoulder of the road and let all the other cars go by so that I'd be able to go very safely and that sort of thing. And I sat there on the shoulder of the road, and I was ready to go, and in my head, uh, God said, Drive straight ahead. And I looked out the window and uh, didn't see anybody coming. I said, Oh, I can make it. And so I started. But my wheels were on ice, and I didn't go for about 10 seconds, and then I went. And I almost got across the road, but a car coming from the south hit my rear bumper, threw my car across the road, and uh, you know, I, I, I said, no, I can do it. And anyway. Um, I regret that. 